Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob Clark, and with us as always, Ed Katz. Ed, how you doing? Good morning, Vietnam. Or Oh, it's not morning, it's almost evening here in Madison, Mississippi. Hello everyone. How you doing today, Ed? Everything going well? So far, appreciate it. Thanks for asking. How about you? I'm, I'm doing well. We're, we're getting into this episode. Which this is, I'm hoping, will be kind of a series for us, and it's uh, women in the relocation industry, which I think is a great topic. You know, now this... wait a second, Rob. I don't mean to interrupt your blindside. You go ahead. No women in the movie industry. Well, see, you're one of those old guys. You're one of those, you know, good old boys that just think it's a men's arena, a men's sandbox that you know I only, thought, only boys yeah. can play here. Not the I case, Ed. The world's changing, my man. <laughs> so we we have a a special guest today. Sabrina Jones is joining us, and let me tell you a little bit about Sabrina. Sabrina was raised on a wheat farm in the middle of nowhere in eastern Washington State, where her senior class, Ed, only had 17 students, so big community. She was exposed to all kinds of crazy things in those, and I know that because I came from a high school of 52, so I know what goes on in those kind of communities, Ed. After graduating college and getting her master's degree in education, she spent the next 20 years or there around teaching school, getting elected to the local school board. She referees basketball, so she knows how to, you know, lay the rules down a little bit, Ed. Working in marketing and eventually going back to college working towards her MBA. Uh, her various jobs and a divorce after 19 years changed her to become a new person. She morphed into an independent daring risk taker who according to her was crazy enough to start a moving company and she's exactly right when she says that ed in 2010 while working out of her condo storage closet and renting a truck she founded her company called move her today she has her own warehouse six trucks and employees almost 50 employees during the peak season so let's welcome sabrina jones sabrina how you doing Wow, that was quite an introduction. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. You have quite a quite a list of accomplishments. Dang, with a background like that, I'm intimidated. I'm afraid to ask her a question. <laughs> I know. Hi, hi, Sabrina. How are you? Hi, Ed. Good. I'm not sure I'm smart enough you, to be on here. Right out of the right out of the, the cage, as they would say. How in the world did a nice lady like you end up in the moving business? Where you was it anything like what happened to me? I tell people, you know, when they ask me that question why the moving industry and i said simple i i rolled out of bed one morning i hit my head on the floor and i said duh i want to be a mover and that was my reason you know <laughs> i hope i hope yours was way more important and significant than mine so how you know how and why did you get into well, the business please tell us your story yeah yeah i mean i had zero background you know i had zero experience in the moving industry um, I was a stay-at-home mom for about 13 years, and I always tell people, I go, I knew I wasn't smart enough to come up with a brand new idea, but I knew that there was something out there that I could do better. And um, having grown up on a farm and really kind of always uh, tagging behind my dad, you know, um, whether we were uh, bucking bales of hay or driving the wheat truck, I, I always seemed to shadow him more than my mom. So. I was kind of the tomboy of the four girls that, that we, you know, that made up our family. And and then when I did work at the university for a, for a few years, I I just missed being outside, you know, I missed 
Um, I, I just didn't like sitting behind a desk all day. And so, um, so when I got divorced and had to rent a truck and find a couple people to move my stuff, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I could do moving better. And, um, and I knew it was a male dominated industry. And so that would, you know, help differentiate um, my company from most others. And, and also an independent moving company, not affiliated with a van line. Um, so those two things I thought, well, you know, we'll just put a big pink circle on our trucks. And I think some women at least might call me and we'll do a good job for them. So that was kind of how it started. And, and I just thought, well, moving, can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> do, so, do you, do, after a few months, or I, f- go can ahead. Can I jump Ed. in here for yeah. one second, Rob? <laughs> can I jump in? Yeah, absolutely. Go. I, I can't believe how uncanny this is. Yeah. I am in the moving industry because my wife of seven and a half years left me, went back to New York, left me with a half a room of furniture. I had to hire a moving company to move me from my tri-level condominium that I was renting into a, like a two-room apartment. <laughs> two guys showed up. They were in uniform. They were clean. They were professional. They moved everything I had locally in Atlanta in an hour and a half. And I said to myself, wow, that looks so easy. I could do that. I could do that for a living. And of course, I got divorced. So, I mean, look at the bond, the connection we have. We, we have that in common. Meant to be. Meant to be. So, uh, can I ask you, uh, Robert, actually, I'll let you, since I just well, well, I, decided yeah. you no, 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 you, you want to take over and ask the next yeah, No, I have a question. Uh, you know, Sabrina, people are going to hear your bio and go, okay, 20 years as a teacher, you know, in that that field, that's quite a long time. I mean, you're you're getting towards retirement in that uh, that particular field. What would make you go? I want to start a company, my own company. Did you always have that desire to kind of have your own business and run your own company, knowing you could be successful doing something on your own? Is that kind of where you went? Yeah, I I really I really kind of did. Um, I mean, I guess my mom always kind of said I was bossy. And so maybe, maybe that was it. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, teaching is a lot like running a company, right? Because you've got your employees and you're continually teaching your, you know, your employees how to do things, how to move furniture, how to treat people. And teaching is, is a mixture of that, of learning your subject areas and also how to get along with your classmates and your teachers and things like that. So there actually are a lot of similarities. And um, so, so I don't know, they, they kind of go together, I think. Yeah, interesting. I don't know about you, but when I started my moving company, cash was king and I didn't have much cash. And I literally lived off of rice and beans and beans and rice, I think for the first two years till things took off and of course, being an office mover, we build our customers. We didn't get paid on the spot in those days. And I learned about this thing called cash flow. And we had borrowed money from uh, a large bank in Atlanta, and that helped, you know, finance our receivable, our receivables. And if I'm prying, you can say none of your business, Ed Katz. But, you know, <laughs> what did you do for income? I mean, I really lived like a pauper the first two or three years. I mean, really, when I tell you, uh, 
it was it was a challenge in my life, but I I did it, and I'm, it's behind me. And if I ever have to do it again, God forbid, I know I can do it. When you started, did you have an income flow or something? Yeah, yeah. So um, I started it in 2010, and at that time, I was working full time at a place called Gonzaga University. Go Zags, yeah. and I was working in the marketing and communications department. So I had a full time position uh, there. And I decided I would just do the moves on the weekends and we would see if this great idea of mine would actually work. And um, my partner at the time, who's now my husband, um, he was the one who came up with a logo and he was my biggest supporter through, well, he still is. Um, but it was literally him and I, and then we would put ads out at the university um, looking for people who wanted to work with us and so but he and I were on every single move in the early days and he was my sole driver and I would just continue to on my lunch hours Monday through Friday go out and give estimates and then we would do the moves on the weekends and we'd go run, rent a truck from budget <laughs> and bring it to our condo and open the closet and throw all of our prep materials in there and then go out and do the job and um, so so we were able to pay our employees. We, we've never not paid our employees. If anything, we would overpay them or we'd go, oh my gosh, we made so much money today. Let's go have dinner. And then we'd buy dinner for everyone and there goes our profit. So, um, you know, but it was just such an exciting time to, to get customers and to do a good job and, and the phone would ring again, you know, and so it just sort of fed on itself. Um, but I did, I did not take um, money for myself uh, for another two and a half years because I just wanted to keep that money in the bank because there was always something to spend it on, right? I mean, the yeah. truck would break down or you'd need new tires or you, there's just some, that was always something. Did your partner have a full-time job too when you were doing this part-time? Um, yes, he did. And then he retired from the university. And so he was able to, um, to work, you know, more full-time for me. And um, and I was able to pay him a little bit, but not what he really deserved. <laughs> well, I, I would like you, if you don't mind, Sabrina, you know, we, we've gotten into you quite a bit, which I think is great. But let's give them a little background on the company. I mean, mo they hear moving company and, you know, Ed and I do the commercial side. But is that all you do? Tell everybody about your company, where you're located, all the services you offer. People listening in those areas may want to reach out to you. Yeah, sure. So we are um, we are located in Spokane, Washington, which is in eastern Washington. So um, we're about 30 miles from the Idaho border. Um, we are an independent moving company, obviously woman-owned. We're state certified in Washington as a woman-owned business. And we are also IOMI certified for commercial moving. Thank you, Ed, for that. And um, we do residential and commercial moving, packing, storage, and we also do cleaning. So when I started, we we would offer move-in, move-out cleaning. And in 2018, we um, started offering like maid service cleaning, so recurring cleaning. So we do that as well. And then late in 2020, we renovated some of our office space, which was just kind of vacant and sitting there. And so now we offer temperature and humidity controlled wine storage because, you know, we need more to do. We need more to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> but moving is, I mean, moving is very seasonal. And so we're trying to even out that seasonality 
by, you know, with the cleaning and with the storage. And then we'll also do shipping. So a lot of times we'll move folks here and they're like, oh, my sister in San Diego really wants this China hutch. And we're like, we can totally ship that for you. So we'll prep it, you know, palletize it, get them a shipping bid and ship it down there. Um, and then we can also move move people across the country and we work with partners to get those those types of jobs done. And that's something relatively new that we've we've been doing so yeah I'm, I'm i'm amazed because i focused on one thing local office moving and i was felt that was a full-time job you're running like <coughs> five different businesses all under the same roof all at the same time and i'm just in awe that yeah. i mean how did you learn the cleaning business i mean i'm sure there are tricks of the trade that you learn by experience or somebody's got to teach and train you I mean, I think that's fascinating. So you, you from the beginning diversified your revenue stream so you weren't uh, dependent on one source and you didn't have all your eggs in one basket, you're saying. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, I grew up with the best cleaner ever, who is my mother. And um, and our, actually our deepest, most thorough clean I named after my mom. It's called the top to bottom Judy clean. <laughs> and, um, and it gets everything, man. It's like white glove treatment. And so um, it, she definitely has earned that honor. But I did take a course actually down in the state of Texas in 2018 from a woman named Debbie Sardone. And I learned more of the details of running a cleaning business and, you know, when we um, brought in the recurring level of cleaning. So that was super helpful. So, so I, what do you, can I ask related to that? So what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, five, <laughs> you know, like in five years from now, what do you see? I mean, where are you headed? Where are you going? Do you, are you just open to anything that falls in your lap? Any opportunities that comes your way? I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to think, you know, you just want to keep getting bigger. And I kind of fell victim to that a few years ago of thinking, oh, I have to keep getting bigger. And then I just thought, you know what, I need to be, I need to get better. And so we've really been working on our processes of nailing down our processes and what makes move her move her because we are different than than a lot of other moving companies out there. And we take a lot of pride in our customer relations and we take a lot of pride in our in our employees. We hire mostly young people who we know are going to go on and do other things. And so we encourage them to go to school and get their degrees. And we actually, my husband and I just got a text from a young man that worked for us about three years ago. And he goes, hey, how's the mover fam doing? <laughs> I mean, those, those are, that's awesome, right? I mean, that's when it's like, I, we're doing something right here. And um, that's what really, really means a lot. Um, so so I, I guess in five years, um, I would love to have my own freestanding storage facility for vault storage um, and possibly one or two other locations, you know, once we get those processes nailed down in the Northwest. Somewhere in the northwest. Do you, do you have military up there? Do you do anything with military? We do have um, Fairchild Air Force Base here. Okay. Um, but we don't have any contracts with them. How big right is now. Spokane? I'm sorry? How big is Spokane? Just Spokane? Is that where you're at? How, how large? What's the population? Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. I didn't hear you. That's right. Um, the, pop the population of Spokane is... Gosh, I don't know. Maybe half a million. Okay, so there's there's pretty good commercial business in a, in a town like that. So yeah, 
what would you say the percentage of your household goods to commercial business is? Um, you know, I grew up in the in the business, starting in household goods and then getting into commercial. And you know, a lot of people might think, well, moving's moving, and they're two totally different things. So, how did you? I mean, what's your percentage of business of each, and how did you learn the nuances of of each business? You know, how to load. You load household goods different than you load office furniture, and all these little things to make you successful, right. and you know, not have damage and claims and customer service and all these kind of things. Right. It's a lot. It is. It's a lot to. You're right. It's a lot to learn. We learn through a lot of mistakes <laughs> on the household end of things, um, and we find that having a comprehensive training program is imperative to a successful company because it's natural to have pretty high turnover in the moving industry, whether it's residential or commercial. So you're continually teaching and training um, your employees. And um, right now, I would say our mix is probably 80% residential and 20% commercial. But the commercial is growing by leaps and bounds since we took the IOMI course. Um, and we have a dedicated you know, person who gives those office and industrial estimates. And um, we also joined BOMA here in Spokane, which I think will be really valuable to us. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Um, and as far as learning all of the ins and outs, like I said, it's a lot of just, it, it, it's hard. You just can't sit there and read it. You have to go and yeah. do it. Um, and you find mentors. You, there are some mentors in the industry. I remember when I started, I sent out a letter to all the moving companies <laughs> and um, to introduce myself and to say, I don't think we should be adversaries. I think we should be here to support each other. Well, I, I heard back from one. Oh, <laughs> I wow. heard back from one other company. And he actually became a really great mentor to me in the early days and taught me a lot, a lot of things um, that have been valuable. Um, and then as far as commercial, really, I don't mean to toot Ed's horn here, but his, his course is so comprehensive and um, really just covers everything from the marketing, from the sales, to the actual move, to the follow through. Um, that was how we have gotten so much better at the commercial moves. And they are two completely different beasts. And um, we would love, we look forward to the commercial end of our business really growing. So, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question no, no. completely, Rob. No, no, you absolutely did. You absolutely did. And I, I, w I will tell you this, I don't think Ed minds you tooting his horn. <laughs> Good. What do you well, got, Ed? You got a question? You know, you're hearing your bio from, from Rob earlier, you know, so was it because you went to business school that you learned everything about, you know, receivables, depreciation, cash flow, collecting what you build? I mean, is that where you learned the financial part or did, you know, is that your education that helped you become so successful? Or what if you hadn't gone to business school? Would you learn it as fast? Would you be where you are today if you hadn't taken these these business courses uh, towards your master's degree? I mean, they were super, they were very helpful. I know. I think any education that we get is valuable, and um, but it's not the end all. It's like when I got my degree in education. You know, you have to go out and do your student teaching. You have to go out in the real world and actually do it and teach those little people <laughs> in, in those desks. 
um, and see how you do and make adjustments. And, um, and the same is true for running a business. And I, when I started, I just hoped it would work, you know? And then it seemed like three years later, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's working. <laughs> yeah. Were you able to apply, I'm just curious, uh, I know you're not gonna patronize me, you're not gonna pander to me, so I want you to be perfectly honest. What you've learned online with our IOMI International Office Moving Institute training, have you been able to apply any of those procedures or processes to the household good, or are they just so totally different that there's not a fit? No, there there are some that, that transfer over. You know, your four rules that you have, you know, those those definitely transfer over. And um, th yeah, there are, there are several things in that course that transfer over to household goods. I mean, the speed packs, and if you're moving within a, you know, a multi-level, uh, like a assisted living home or an apartment with elevators. So yeah, there's a lot of things in there that, that you can transfer over, I think. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've been told that over the years that a lot of it applies. And of course, the way you load the truck is totally different for commercial right. versus residential. But I mean, some of the tools I think of dealing with the customer and controlling the crew and motivating the crew. And mm -hmm. I, I'm going to mention the four goals since you brought it up. Number one, when I mean, you take a job out, your number one goal is no one gets hurt, right? It's just, it's just the move. You never compromise the safety of any of your employees or the or the shipper, right? right. Number two, our ne next goal, it's important, but not as important as the first one, that you don't damage what you're moving. So you, it's not how fast do you move, but are you adopting and implementing the best practice methods to minimize the risk of damage to what you're moving? And then the third goal, which is really right up there with the second one is, we don't damage the buildings we're moving from or to by installing extensive building protection. I know you have several sets of matadors to protect the lobby side entrance going into a, a swing elevator that's converted the hall freight and to protect the main building doors going into the glass doors coming in through the lobby or going into the double reception room doors. And I know you put down floor protection and wall protection. And last but not least, the the least significant goal out of the four, if you want to rank them, is to make the customer happy. When I taught my in-person seminar, I started off every class by asking this question. If you were taking a job out, and I may have 25, 30 students per class, per branch, per location, when I taught my in-person seminar that you've been taking online, I would ask my students, forget what you do at this company. Pretend you're taking a job out. Pretend you're a supervisor. What is your number one goal when you take a job out? And the consensus, as I went around and asked each and every in, uh, student in my class, whether they were in sales or customer service or operations, they always said the same thing, make the customer happy. And if you make, if that's your number one goal, you're gonna compromise the safety of your employees. And if that's your number one goal, you know, the customer wants it fast and cheap, right? Yes. Right? Isn't that what they want? So yeah. you're going to compromise not just the safety of your employees, but you're going to compromise, you're going to be taking risks you shouldn't be taking with what you're moving. And you're going to obviously not install extensive building protection. So it's interesting. Nobody at their companies ever taught them that that was the number one goal, make the customer happy. But by experience, they would be out on the job and the customer would probably call and complain 
to the base, to the office and say, hey, the guys are blah, blah, blah. And then the owner or the branch manager GM would call that supervisor and say, hey, you know, just make her happy or make him happy. So that's right. probably how through osmosis, these crews without any specific, you know, defined, clearly defined goals and ranking those goals as to their importance of, you know, uh, of, of executing them. They, by default, came up with, with no matter what it is, make the customer happy because we don't want to get a call from the office. Does that sound like the industry that you're in? Yeah, yeah. No matter how miserable you are, you make sure that customer's happy. Right. But, right. but Ed, you, you forgot to mention. You forgot but to. I, I want to finish the financial thing because it was around after I've been in business for about three years. And I was like, I feel like this might work but I'm not sure I understand, you know, am I really doing well? You know, I was looking at my numbers, I knew what my bank account said and all of that, but it was like, I didn't really know. So at the time I was a member of um, AMSA, American Moving and Storage Association. And so I went there and I found a book called um, Moving and Storage for Movers or something like that, like, you know, and it was, finance for moving and storage companies and it was the only book I could seem to find and so I read the the jacket and the author lived part-time in Seattle which is just across you know the Cascade Mountains from us so I thought well nothing ventured nothing gained I'm going to email this guy he'll probably never even reach back out his name is David Duryea D-U-R-Y-E-E -E. he he calls me back or no no he he emailed me back and he goes, look, I'm in the middle of editing my book. I'd be happy to do a free financial analysis of your company if you'd be willing to edit my book. And I'm like, did you not know I have an editing background? Wow. <laughs> and so we, we just um, talked via email. That was like in March of 2013. And I finally met him that December. He flew himself over from Seattle and we spent the day together and he was retired and worked for like the SBA and um, never charged me a dime. And to this day, he's on our board of directors. Wow. <laughs> it's me, my husband and him. Wow. <laughs> he's, uh, I think he's 80 now. I probably shouldn't say that on air. He, he is my, um, he, he holds me accountable for my monthly financials to always get those done, to know what they mean, to know what changes I need to make, to make sure I'm setting um, goals for the coming year. And we meet we meet twice a year. And of course with COVID, we've been meeting via Zoom and you know, happy hour. <laughs> I mean, he, he has just been the biggest gift to my professional and really to my personal life that I, it just sort of fell in my lap. And I don't know where I would be as far as understanding the business of moving if I did not have him. So does he, I owe does, he sell, does, yeah, does he sell his services to other movers? And if he does, why don't you give us the contact information before we end this interview in case some of our listeners would like to avail themselves of his services. Would that be possible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's like you can tell I'm a salesperson and a former owner of a moving company. And I'm going to have a confession. I never knew anybody like him. And if I did, I'm a salesperson. <laughs> I, every month when I got my monthly statement, I would look at two lines. 
revenue, right. and this thing called net income. And only right. if only if net income said the words in parentheses net loss did I start looking at the stuff in between. And then I might check the one. Yeah, what's all these other lines here like, you know? And I look at, well, maybe we paid our insurance premiums double that month because of the way the month, you know, ended. And so well, we really didn't lose that much money. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I had yeah. a laugh. We had a CPA, God bless him. I learned in my life, never, ever take business advice from a CPA. You hear that? <laughs> in my humble opinion, and CPAs are people who put numbers in boxes. So are you ready for this? My CPA says, Ed, you had one of the best months revenue-wise you ever had before, but you see you gave a lot of it back in overtime. You need to get your customers to move when you're not paying overtime. And I said to him, are you crazy? You, you, you negotiate with customers to try to have some flexibility with when you're going to move them. But you can't say, oh, by the way, our crew is going to be into overtime next Thursday and Friday, so therefore we can't move you till the following two weeks later. <laughs> You know, that's who these people are. They're like not gonna go over they're well. like politicians in Washington DC. Yeah, they live in a bubble. <laughs> well, Sabrina, I wanna And I'll tell you one more thing. When I went to sell my company, can I mention one more thing? Yeah, go when ahead. I went to sell my company and we got a really great offer for it. My CPA was the one that says, Oh, that's way too low. You're worth three times that. Why do you think he said that? Can you either of you guess why he tried to kill the deal by saying we're not getting enough money for our company? Like, did he worry that once the buyer came in and took over, that maybe he was going to have his own CPA for his own accounting well, firm sure. do the work and not the one that we had used for 20 years? So anyhow, I hope I haven't slandered in the industry. You know me. I always try to get along and be politically sensitive. And you know me, right? So oh, yeah. anyhow, I love, I love CPAs. I think, I think they're great for giving advice to everyone except me. Well, Sabrina, you know, the title of this uh, series that we're doing is women in the in the relocation industry and you know that that brings up the question of it's predominantly a, a male dominated industry or had been you know we're starting to see a lot of women being very very successful in the industry which i think is great when you got into the industry you know back in 2010 from your perspective what was it difficult being a woman in this industry to you know for employees for vendors with customers did you you know you mentioned that the uh the other moving companies you send out notes to didn't reply do you do you think that that had some reason you know to it oh yeah yeah i think i think so I, and plus being an independent as well you don't have the backing of a national van line behind you and um it was at that time i, I you know, I had no experience and I could have just been a flash in the pan. And so um, I had to prove myself. And until I prove myself, I, you're not really going to have a whole lot of respect from your competitors. Um, I had a, I think the customers that I met, the majority of the customers that um, I would go out and give estimates to, because I was the only estimator at that time. Um, really supported me and most of those people the majority of those people were women and which is what we figured would happen because women do a lot of the organizing of you know either moving themselves or their parents or their children and I can't tell you how many personal stories I've been told <laughs> over the years that I think if I was a guy I don't think they would have told me all of that um, 
but you know your vendors your vendors respect you if you pay their bills on time and uh, so we've always done that and um, and I belong to different associations and um, I, I would say that generally yeah there's been a lot of respect and a lot of questions like what Ed asked of why in the world did you want to start a moving company <laughs> I get that a lot and yeah. um, I say the same thing because it sounded easy so well, what about your employees? You know, again, reporting to a lady. How did that work out? It works out really well. Um, my husband and I are a good balance. Um, he's actually more of HR than I am um, when it comes to the employees. Um, I think I think I'm more of the numbers, the numbers end, and um, he's more of dealing with the emotional needs of our of our employees because it really is like a big family here. Um, and there's, there's a lot that goes on. I mean, we helped one of our employees, we helped finance the rest of his, the last year and a half of his education so he could be an engineer. And he and my, going back to the CPA, my CPA was like, why are you doing that? <laughs> and I'm like, we're just hoping he'll pay us back. He paid us back and he got an, you know, an amazing job and he's one that also still stays in touch and he's like, I'm going to pay it forward. When I can pay it forward, I'm going to pay it forward. And so, so yeah, so I would say that most of our employees well, really enjoy and respect working here. And I would say for you, you started the company so they knew they were going to work for a woman-owned company where... Right. You know, some moving companies might be bought by a, a lady coming in, and that's a whole different thing. But uh, for you, yeah, you had a little bit of control over that. Uh, people yes, knew what they true. were getting into. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you see our logo and it's got a big pink circle on it, it kind of gives it away. Some people will call and say, is it just women that are going to be doing the moving? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are they strong yeah. enough? Or they say, we want, we want Sabrina on the move. We want her to be running the job, right? Oh, I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah, well, how, how long that used to happen. So, I, yeah. I would I say... Have, I have a great answer for you. So, we, we got, at the time, it was the MCI move in Atlanta. And it was, you know, the largest move that year. Yeah. You know, like 300,000 square feet. So, yeah. invariably, the contact asks the salesperson, or in my case, the owner... I'm just curious, Mr. Cass, if we award this move to you, are you personally going to be on the job? And I said to them, hell no. And you ought to be thanking God that I just said, hell no. And they looked at me like, are you crazy? You're the owner. I said, look, I'm really a salesperson. If I'm out here on the job, I'm going to tell the men, now take that truck to the destination. And they're going to say, but Mr. Cass, Mr. Cass, the truck's not even loaded yet. What are you telling us? And I'll be telling them, to do something that they shouldn't be doing. I said, believe me, you do not want a salesperson running your job. You want our trained <laughs> professional supervisors out there who have the experience and the brains and the common sense, not a salesperson like me running your job every day. Now, I'll be at the control center. I'll be in the control tower. I'll be a phone call away if you need more equipment, more men if a truck breaks down. They'll call the control tower. That would be me. But believe me when I tell you, I'm doing you the biggest favor in the world. Keep me as far away from the job as you possibly can. And so how's that for an answer in the future when they say, are you going to come out on the job? <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm going to steal that from you if it's okay. Yeah, but I was telling the truth, you know, <laughs> with you. It's no, it is. It is the truth, and, and actually that the finance guy that I was telling you guys about that's on our board of directors, Dave Duryea, he said, look, 
you shouldn't be out packing. You you don't need to be out on the move. He goes, you're you're the face of the company. You need to be out selling the jobs. That's right. what you do. You, you make know. the cash register ring. You make the, the you know you you make the cash yeah. register ring if you're doing your job, right? Yeah, yeah. So that helped me realize that oh yeah, I guess I shouldn't be doing this, even though I like being out here because you oh. can control the job more. But then I find I talk to the customer too much. I talk to the crew too much. I ask them why they didn't do this or they didn't do that. <laughs> like I'm no, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, you know the only damage we had on one move for a vice president of a bank when we were really really shorthanded and we we needed the supervisor. So I had the the bottom of the barrel. I had to suit up and be the supervisor. The only damage we had on this nothing internal move was when I damaged the the, the head guy's desk by pushing a return into the desk. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Katz, you know, like everybody's eyeballs are rolling. I mean, that, that is so me. Anyhow, I have, I have one last question. I do want you to give us the contact information if you can for this great, wonderful, very young, very young advisor you have. So that if anybody else wants to reach out to him, I hate to say reach out, wants to call him or email him, uh, yeah. they can do so. So my last question is this, for other women, whether they're young or middle-aged or older, you know, Colonel Sanders was 65 years old when he started KFC. So at any age, for any <laughs> other women who have a dream of starting their own business, what advice can you give them? I mean, should they get an education first? Should they keep their full-time job and get into it part-time like you did dabble in it to make sure it's going to fly before they quit their job and start something new? Can you give them any really good advice and, and tie it all together at the end here? Well, I will do my best. Um, I, I think you start small uh, is probably my best advice of and try not to worry about, you know, what happens when and what if. And you just start small. You be honest with your customers about who you are and where you're at with things. And if they want to do business with you, they will understand and they'll appreciate that. And that you just learn as you go. And you you can't be afraid to ask questions either, um, to find mentors. And really the worst thing somebody can do is either not reply or just say no, right? That they don't want to, or they can't help you, um, and that, and just to persevere. Of just that, even you know, when you feel like you're failing, if you really believe in what you're doing, you just have to see through that and say, "This is just a learning experience. This is supposed to happen, and I'm going to get through this." Like you're, you know, you're just trudging up a hill and it will get better it does get better um because everybody struggles no matter what they go through struggles and um and it's okay you know it's okay but find somebody that can support you um and and be willing to kind of bend with the wind you know you might go in thinking your business is going to be focused in a certain area and then down the road you're finding the need is a, is a different angle right you mean you like to, you got to listen. You got to listen to to what the needs really are. You so. mean like a, a a moving company might turn into a wine cellar? Mm, something right? like that. <laughs> Never know. Maybe something like that. That's right. You know that your answer just gave me a topic for another podcast. Mentors. Oh, I had mentors. I had several mentors 
um, who helped me along the way, and I did what you did. And they were flattered that I asked them, a president of a bank, uh, a former Vietnam captain who was in the jungle in Cambodia, where we yeah, weren't yeah. even supposed to have troops for four years, and yeah. who, who slept with a loaded forty-five under his pillow at night in Viet Cong uh -huh. territory. I mean, these are the kind of people that were my advisors and mentors. They took me under their wings. They were very generous with their advice, their wisdom, their knowledge, their time. Good for you. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, I owe a lot, you know, to you, Ed, and um, and to Dave, and um, yeah, it just, you know, that's really what matters. Could you give us Dave's contact information so if any of our listeners want to call him or email him, please? Yes, I'm going to have to while while you're looking it. while you're looking that up. I want to say that when you were answering Sabrina earlier about you know being in that male dominated industry and trying to you know uh, how were you perceived or you know how were you accepted? I loved your line of you know you just went out and proved yourself. And after more than a decade of doing what you guys have been doing, there's no doubt you've proved yourself. And I think that's the that's the thing I really appreciated about what you said is that you absolutely proved yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I, um, I just remembered when I was editing Dave's book and there was a section in there when, he, where he said, um, he said, you know, no, you know, form relationships with your banker and with your CPA and your bookkeeper, get to know them, see them more than once a year, take your banker out on your boat. And I circled that and I go, when do I get a boat? Uh. <laughs> and he replied back he goes all you can afford right now is a canoe <laughs> hey that's pretty good that's precious. okay i've got his um i've got his email is that good for you guys absolutely his, his full name that last name sailed right over my head all the times you mentioned it right yeah it's a different name so his first name is dave d-a-v-e and the last name is durye so it's d-u-r Y E E. Okay, and his email is his first name, so it's Dave at the number six zero, followed by all lowercase minute CFO. So M I N U T E C F O dot com, like Chief Financial Officer. And that's actually the name of his book that he's since renamed and you can find it on Amazon it's called the 60 minute CFO um, but anyhow yeah that's his that's his email well after we release this podcast uh, in a week or two you better prepare him he's gonna sell like 10,000 copies of that book <laughs> I, I have I have nearly 10,000 uh, connections on LinkedIn wow that would I be come, great I have a big family <laughs> He's one of a kind, that's for sure. Yeah, he sounds unbelievable. That just yeah, sounds wonderful. Good. Sabrina, this you hit it out of the ballpark. You really did well. Yay. I hope it wasn't too boring. Not oh, at all. It. Absolutely good. appreciate you coming on. Your story was great. I think it's great to, to get women in the moving industry to get their stories out and their success um, stories, especially their success in the business out to everybody else and you are our first one in this series that we're going to do women in the relocation industry so thank you for coming on we absolutely enjoyed the conversation and hopefully down the road we'll have you on again i appreciate the opportunity thanks you too thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the commercial relocation happy hour 
And until our next episode, go sell another move.